How much more successful do you want me to be? More successful. How many records can my records break? More records. But, but I'm the best. But are you a different animal and the same beast? What the f does that mean, Kobe Bryant? Welcome back to the Rogue Sports Podcast, guys. Today, we got a full slate. We're going to start off with the NBA. John Morant made a controversial-ish statement. We're going to discuss that. MLB, a legend got cut the other day. We're going to talk about Albert Pujols and what his future holds, as well as there is a looming problem in the MLB regarding pitchers and hitters. We're going to talk about that. And also, finally, NFL. We're going to talk about some expectations for rookie quarterbacks, as well as um, some unofficial power rankings in the top of the league. Not official, but we're going to give our first reactions-ish as to what we think the top teams in the NFL are going to be. All right. All right. Let's get let's, into it. Let's get her going. So, for the NBA, I know we started off, we wanted to talk about John Moran, but I think it's got to be said. We got to start it off. The Lakers, everybody had them as the number one seed in the West. Everyone, they're the powerhouse, they're the title favorite, they're the defending champs. They're, it's looking more and more likely every single day that they will be playing in the play-in games. As they sit, I think it's either six or seven they're at, and they do not have the tiebreaker over Dallas or Portland, which will become huge down the stretch. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? I think they're basically locked into a playoff uh, playing game spot. That's worst-case scenario because no one knows – I guess the Lakers might know, but no one really knows how healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be. And if they're not right, they could easily get bounced in the play-in. Like, oh, easily. 100%. Um, that's just a tough That's a tough uh, gift for whoever wins the West or gets the second seed. Suns, Jazz, have to play LeBron, AD. Healthy or not, if they get in there, if they're at 70%, it's still not going to be an easy series no. as what they should have gotten in the first round. No, not at all. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting. Both seed playing games are going to be really fun because there are really talented teams that just haven't lived up or injuries set them back. The play-on games are going to be unusually loaded with talented teams, which is kind of kind of fun, but also not fun for the fan bases of those talented teams that expected to be higher. Stressful. Yeah. For Celtics fans. Yep. <laughs> All right. So. Earlier this week, John Morant claimed he is a top five point guard in the NBA. Agree or disagree? Disagree. Barely. Just barely. I have him number six. If if we're listing. Um, what what about you? I disagree. Well, I agree with you that he's not in the top five. He did not. He's not a top five point guard. I I have a. I can name at least six. What point guard I probably put over him? So I probably put him at least seven. If not more, I can think of the top of my head. Give them to me. Give them to me? Do you want an order? Yes. All right, so we got Steph, of course, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Kyrie, those two are interchangeable, CP3, Luka, and Westbrook. Okay. Now, I have some caveats in my top five that I just want to get out of the way beforehand. James Harden and Kyrie. Only one can be on the list, and I guess I consider Kyrie... I've always considered Kyrie a point guard and James Harden a shooting guard, so that's the way I went. But James Harden could be on as a point guard, and Kyrie plays off of him a lot of the times. So it really just depends how... I have James Harden as a shooting guard, so he's not on this list. 
But just know that it's basically the same and just substituting them. I have Steph Curry 1, Dan Lillard 2, same as you. I have Kyrie 3, then Westbrook 4, CP3 5, and then I have Jaw sitting at 6 because I consider Luka and LeBron both forwards. Even though they both technically pay, play point guard, I consider them forwards. Just, I feel like that's just more appropriate for them. But, however, if you were telling me you'd have to start a team, I think Jaw is easily implanted in the top five. Yeah, because he's younger than half. All the guys are in their 30s or older. Yeah. Except for Luca. Yeah. I don't know if you did this. Probably not. But I just kind of got it thinking about this, and I made a top five who I'd start a team with. Or, not start a team with. If I'm building a team, who would I want at the point guard spot? I have Jot number three on there. I have Steph. Even though he's old, he's still Steph Curry. And he's... People are starting to talk about him being the best point guard of all time. He's getting close. He's bringing. The, he's going to break the all-time three-point record. Yeah. Like, it's him or Magic at this point. Mm. And so I'll take him even at age 33. Dame Lillard at number two, just because he's still, he's still got a lot of good years left and he's proven. Then I got Ja at three. Be- because he's just young and he's insanely good. That's why he's number six overall. I got Jamal Murray at four. Four or five could switch. I have him at four, just because oh, he's young, he's good. Hopefully he comes back good after his ACL. Then I got CP3 at five, because he's a culture builder, and I feel like he's just really good to have for a young locker room. You know, what are your thoughts? Do you have any I mean, objections there? I like that list, because if you're build, talking about the future, John Morant's probably the future top point guard in the M- NBA. But like you said, right now he can't be. I like that list a lot, because Steph, Dame, and those guys. CP3, even though he's very old, he's still got to be in there. Jamal Murray's an up-and-coming point guard, but Ja, he's the future of the NBA. But, like, when you're when we're talking about our top fives, some people might, like, disagree or whatever. We're talking about CP3 and Westbrook, they might put him over. Well, let me just give you a little comparison between the three. Mm-hmm. So, this so far this season, Ja Morant, he's averaging 19.4 rebound, uh, points, 3.9 rebounds, and 7.3 assists. Well, Westbrook is averaging 21.8 points, 11.4 rebounds, and 11.4 assists. Well, he's going to he's going to average his second triple double of his career for the whole season, and he's gonna get, he's leading the Wizards to a play-in spot, which nobody thought would happen. Then you have CP3, who's averaging 16.2 points, four and a half rebounds, and 8.9 assists, and he's leading the Suns, who didn't miss the playoffs last year, to the top seed in the West, and and probably a title contender if you look at their roster. So even though. So I think you got, and they so they have better stats, and they're do, just doing better as leaders than Ja is. So you got, so anybody saw some controversy with that? Think again. Precisely. <laughs> uh, yeah, no argument there. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so now we're going to move on to the MLB. Brandon, does the MLB have a problem with pitching after all these no hitters? Like, there's been an absurd amount of like no hitters this year. It's, like, not fair. It's like the pitchers are on a different level than all the hitters nowadays. Do you see anything wrong with this? Oh, 100%. And I saw a stat. It was, um, this is the earliest in a calendar year that there's been four no-hitters since 1917. 104 years since there's been four no-hitters on May 10th. We're sitting now. Wow. It's crazy because it's going to hurt the MLB, really. Last season, the MLB... Last few years, the MLB went crazy with home runs. It was awesome. So... 
they decided and people love offense people love watching home runs they don't watch they don't want they don't like watching guys fly out ground out strike out like that's not fun for people to watch the sport it's already a dying sport like less and less people are watching the games walk at stadiums i know it's covid right now so you can't you don't get the full effect but back when 2019 when it wasn't a problem people are not going to the games like they came they came to watch offense but then they deadened the balls a little bit, not significantly, but they did a little bit, so there'd be less home runs. Who's gonna watch? No, as fun as a no hitter is, who wants to watch a team get two hits in a game and one run? Maybe it's a dying sport, and they're making it worse. It used to be America's pastime. Now it's probably the fourth out of the big four sports. It's still bigger than hockey, but I see your point. Um, I think analytics are single-handedly killing baseball to the public for the simple reason that people the teams are doing whatever they can and rightfully so to put out the best team they can and give themselves the best advantage over everyone else based on all this stuff if like i think a bigger problem and this might correlate to the amount of no hitters is teams have figured out that it's better to strike out a bunch of times and hit a ho- hit a bunch of home runs than it is to just get on base a ton and then just try to get on base you know what i mean play good fun they're prioritizing base. that yes and that's a worse product i don't see we last year and the year before we've been breaking the mlb has home run records over and over and over again but even so the sport is still dying so i don't think a lack of home runs is a reason why people aren't watching the sport the biggest problem I have is that the analytics, not just on the hitting side, but the pitching side, is killing the game. Now, even go back like 10 years. A starting pitcher, not even 10 years, go back 4 to 5 years. A starting pitcher, on a good day, is expected to go 8 innings. Like six or seven. No, like a good pitcher will come out seventh or eighth. If they're, it depends on how they're pitching, obviously. A good pitcher. Now, nowadays, the pitcher will come out probably in the fifth or sixth. They won't be getting to 120, 125 pitches like they used to. They're getting taken out at like between 95 and 100 usually. That's also analytics and injuries. They're worrying about that. No. Because it's... We, we've seen Tommy John surgery is going up. There's been more Tommy Johns in the last few years than ever. And this is while pitchers are being cuddled and taken out early for the excuse that they're saving their arms. But that's not true. Tommy John surgery is up. So it, that just tells you it's not correlated. I'm not saying that that's the reason, but it's not correlated. My big thing, and I think the MLB needs to propose a rule to change this. And the rule I think they need to propose is they need to limit the amount of pitchers you can have on a staff. No. For the active roster. Yes. And I'll tell you why. Or, wait, limit or limit pitching changes or both. They already did that. No, they did not limit the amount of pitching changes. You could still you could still change pitchers after every batter. No, they changed the rules of how many batters a pitcher must face. Is it two? Three. Same thing. You should do it even more. Like limit it to like five per game or something stupid like that. Because I I saw something. I forget where I saw it. One point last year, someone asked, I think it was an ESPN guy, when asked Philly's manager Gabe Kapler, 
about about his bullpen. Try to guess how many relievers, relievers, period, not just pitchers, relievers he had on his active roster that given day. Eight. Seventeen. He had relievers. Seventeen relievers. Yes. Yes. So what do you, that he had mean. seventeen relievers on his active roster. You know what that tells me? They can only have twenty-five on a team. Is this a pre-spring training? This was like no. This was like no. Active roster was like forty-three. It's the amount that you can like bring up and down and okay. still like without making a, like a big change. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. Seventeen at his disposal that given day. That's absurd and unnecessary. That like, it's for that reason. Guys like Jake Degrom, Max Scherzer are not doing eight innings anymore. They're saying we have seventeen guys in the bullpen. We can have him go six, bring in a different reliever for the last three innings, or get, have him go five, bring in a la- uh, reliever for the last four, and we still have ample res- relievers to come in later days. You're not worried about relievers later in the week for the series because you have so many. It's for that reason. I think you need to restrict the amount of relievers on a staff somewhere between like eight and ten. You know what I mean? Because... In doing this, you are pushing, it persuades the manager and gives him a better, it's, you're better off leaving your star starter in later in the game to one, let your relievers rest and to like, it's just a better product. When you turn on that baseball game, you want to see guys like Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, these aces. You want to see them go later in games. Think of the Rays in the World Series last year with Blake Snell, taking him out at 72 pitches while he was rolling. And they fell apart. Yes. That's analytics killing the game. And I know one of the big things is I bet like the players' union will go back on this because the pitchers won't like it. I call BS on that. I think a pitcher will go as... L- if a pitcher is dealing, you think... Like Blake Snell, you think any of them will have an objection to coming out of for staying in the game? Not at all. Because he's dealing, and not just that. I think this could also bump up the hitting, because the minute a uh, starting pitcher starts to tail off a tiny bit right to the bullpen, versus maybe they'll have to go through some adversity, get some base runners. That's when the game gets interesting. That's when the game is fun. You watch a baseball game. And there's no one on base, and there's two outs. I'm flicking the channel 90% of the time if it's not my team that's on. I don't think that's fun to watch. I don't want to watch that. But if I turn on and this guy at first and third with one out, that's a little more interesting. There's going to be action. You want to see what's going to happen next. So I think for the MLB, as the, as a, for the league as a whole, I think it's better for them to make these changes that restrict relieving pitchers because the game is dying it needs i'm sorry but just watching guys and plus every pitcher is throwing 100 miles per hour now yeah if you don't throw at least 95 plus you're not really gonna play much pitch much like pitchers right now are so ahead of batters having a new having a reliever for essentially every inning is just not fair to the batters and i think this will just create a better product overall for the league i think I agree with you on the fact that they should stop listening to the numbers and nerds as much because that's hurting the game and it's hurting teams, as you said about the Rays against the Dodgers. I also agree that you should limit pitching changes 
but I don't think you should limit how many pitchers you have on a team for the fact that if you do that, I think the the rise in injuries will happen. Because think about it. Say your starter goes, doesn't get out of the first inning, and you have to have like five or six pitchers pitch on that day. And if you have, most pitchers can't, that's why they're in the bullpen, because they're generally not durable and don't have the the arm capacity to pitch tons of innings, tons of days in a row. If you have to have those guys pitch two or three days in a row, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to get hurt. Something bad is going to happen. They're going to fall apart. Their arms are going to can't take it. I just disagree. What do you mean? The more you pitch, odds are if you if you don't have the stamina, the more you pitch, you're going to get hurt. See, I disagree because, like I said, Tommy John surgery is at an all-time high right it's now. It's not just Tommy John. Tommy John's not the only injury pitchers can get. It's the it's the biggest one. It's the I biggest mean, correlation. Yeah, but you can get shoulder injuries. Look at Degrom. He's on the IL now of the lat strand. Yeah, and he's getting coddled. It there's no I don't, there's no correlation there. I'm telling you, the correlation is minimal, to the point where if you make these changes, it won't it won't make it won't change much, and the product will be so much better. If you have zero stamina and you go again, keep going, going all out, you're gonna get hurt. Like you just don't have the energy. It's got, bad things are gonna happen. Your body's tired. There's when your no body's tired, you can't that. keep going. There's no guarantee. It's fact. It's science. You keep. You can't keep going past your limit. This isn't a video game where you can just keep going. Like, you see, I think this is not. See, to me, I look at this in the same sense as load management. You're taking out your reliever, creating a worse product, so your team will be better down the line. You see, the NBA trying to make rules to go against load management. This is the same thing in my eyes. I th- I'm against load management because load management in the NBA is stupid. You're playing exactly. half the games and you play like every other day. You barely play back to back. The MLB is playing 162 games. They're playing every. They're playing seven days, six days a week. Sometimes eight games a week, depending on how the uh, schedule. How, if they get cancellations, you can still give your relievers breaks. It's hard to deal with limited pitchers. You want your best players, pitchers out there. You give. You have ten bullpen arms. You're telling me you can't make it through a series. Well, you said 10, you're not going to have 10 bullpen arms. I said 10 bullpen arms. And you're not going to have 10. I said 8 to 10. 8 to 10, that's not how the roster works. You're going to have 25 for every single game you play. Yeah. You don't get 40. So you you have at least 12 to 14 position players. So you have 11 pitchers total on the team. Five starters. You're telling me you need more than six relievers? Yeah, because if your starters can't get through the get through a game, can't get through the 6th or 7th inning, like you expect. Like, say they have a game where all the starters get destroyed in the first inning or two. And then those innings and those relievers' innings start piling up. That's when injuries start to happen. But that's why you have more in AAA down there. Who wants to watch a AAA pitcher get destroyed up in the MLB? That's generally unideal. Perform well enough that your relievers don't have to load up on innings before. That's direct correlation to the team performing. You know what? All right, we're moving on. I don't see, I don't see the issue there. I do, cause you're gonna get hurt. Would you rather have fucking a triple A guy on the on the bullpen right now, sitting down, and not doing anything because it's better guys? He's not. St- he's not in the bullpen. All those guys are a part of the 25 man roster that play every single day. The 40 man roster people don't even also get called up. The 25 man you get every single day. You don't get the, you don't get 25. You don't get more than 25 options for every single game you play. A reliever can go more than one inning. 
They're gonna get. I know, but you can't. They're not gonna get hurt. You can't, you can't hurt. expect to, to go frail. two. You can't expect to go two or three game innings and then pitch the next day. I'm not saying that. Yeah, but that's how you. That's what would happen if you have six relievers. They have to pitch more. Their their innings get totaled. Their innings get larger. More stressful innings are gonna make it even worse. You know the 17 on the active roster, like the 43 man that I said. Yeah. Cut that down to 12. 12 relievers. Like the Phillies had 17. Cut that down just to 12. So that you have 6 to 7 there available. You're telling me that's not enough? If you're telling me that's not enough, you're buying too much into the analytics. Because I'm telling you right now, a reliever can go more than one inning. I'm, that's just the flat-out truth. That's how it used to be. He can go more than one inning, but then he won't pitch the next day. No, you're led to believe that the relievers are frail. Just based on the analytics saying they shouldn't go more than one inning. When the truth is, it's not because they're frail and can't take pitching too much. It's because the analytics say a pitcher is at its best in the first inning he's out. Not because he's going to get hurt. Him going one inning is not because they can't take it. It's because that's where they perform the best. And what I'm trying to say is that that thinking that way analytically is the reason why pitchers are so far ahead of batters. And it's the reason why we've had so many no-hitters. And it's the reason why the game is not fun to watch at all because you can't get on base or get hits. And everything is just home run or nothing. When I think I think fixing this, well, one, hitting will overall go up. I'm not, pitchers won't be bad, but they'll have to push their starters more and create a better product as a whole. And in turn... I think the league is going to just be a lot more entertaining to watch for the average fan. I think that this, to a lesser degree, it solves the home run problem-ish. It doesn't solve it, but it slightly corrects it a tiny bit. I think you kill so many birds with one stone just by this one move. Uh, I think I'm going to have to agree to disagree. I, I just don't feel the same way. I'm sorry. That's... It does back if you if you guys throw on a no hitter, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred guys in the bullpen, they're not coming out. So it... Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. What do you mean what you we're trying to say? Because maybe your guy maybe the start before when he gets coddled and gets taken out in the fifth inning, that lets him go all nine. That won't work. It'll it'll snowball and it'll be it will be good. <gasps> Just like relievers, pitchers don't have to come out of the game when they're at 95 pitches. The analytics just say that that's when they are performing their best, and the managers try to get out in front and take them out before they hit the bump in the road that every pitcher inevitably faces unless you have that perfect start. That's why a no-hitter was always so so celebrated and so rare. But now, the way that they're being managed is is making it easier for that to happen and i don't it's just not right all right we got we got a ton of other topics we got to get to all right so albert pujols got released from the angels that's sad he's in his final year of his 10-year 240 mil contract just sad he's a living legend he's the machine obviously he was never the same player in la that he was with the the Cardinals he never batted over 300 with them yeah. but I mean it's just so sad to see a legend disrespected like that I feel like yeah 
I was uh, I, I was very surprised when I heard it. it's already been ten years he was in Los Angeles. Yeah, it went by fast. Yeah, I know it did. No. I still think he, he he's a little older than he says he is. I'm not gonna lie. Probably those uh the Spanish guys sometimes they they lose the lose the birth certificate. He looks old. I am twelve. <laughs> All right. So now now we're gonna get to the NFL. What what should we expect from the top quarterbacks drafted? Okay, so I have a different prediction for every individual quarterback. So I want to go in the order they were drafted and just give how we expect their season to go? Yeah. Okay, so Trevor Lawrence, in my notes here, I have he's going to have a Justin Herbert-type year, in a sense, where he plays great, but the team sucks and can't support around him. And I also believe that LaVisca Chenault is going to emerge as his favorite target his favorite wide receiver target. I think he is going to pop. He is my biggest pop player on the Jaguars this year because you think he's still young. I think DJ Chark last year showed that DJ Chark is more like on the back end compared to him because they were clearly favoring Chenault over Chark towards the end of the year. I think Trevor Lawrence and Chenault are going to kind of get that. They're going to grow together. Is what I'm trying to say. So I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to play great, but to know, not not really play to team success. I have to agree to that. I think Lawrence, I think he might struggle a little bit, actually. I don't think he's going to struggle as much as my next guy, but I think he'll, he, he's going to have his rookie, his mistakes, especially with the team being less than talented, one of the lesser talented teams in the NFL. So obviously I don't think everyone's just going to, I think a lot of people think he's going to come in here and maybe be flawless because you saw that in college, but no, he's gonna have his. He's gonna struggle more than you think, and it might shock some people. But yeah, he's not. He's not as perfect as people say they are, and he's, it's gonna show the season when he has the less than talented Jaguars team. Yeah. All right. Why don't you start us off with Zach Wilson now, too? Uh, this is the guy I was talking about. I think he's gonna struggle a lot. I think he's gonna be really bad. I don't think he's gonna be that great. Uh, I think he's a. I think in the future he could be a good quarterback, and for the future, it's a good uh, investment for the Jets. But just this year. Even though he's got the weapons, that's a tough place to play. New York, you got the market, you got the fans. Those guys are—they'll judge you if you make one bad throw. Look at Daniel Jones. Even though he's made a lot, but yeah. they're very quick to judge and get you out of town. Uh, they have a bad O line. They play in a tough division with great defenses, great coaches that will game plan well for you. It's gonna be a struggle this year. Yeah, I actually think the Jets and the Giants are a little different in that way because I don't think Daniel Jones is being run out of town at all. I think he's being defended. Too, a little too much by New Yorkers. And I think it was the same with Eli on his way out. Well, Eli's a legend for them. Yeah, but still, people were too slow. People, they should have maybe cut ties with them a little earlier. Probably. But they kept him in. I think the Jets and Giants are different, but that's irrelevant at this point. Um, I, think, I think this is going to be very close to what Sam Darnold did. I think, due to their good draft, I think Zach Wilson is going to show more flashes of like that wow, those wow throws. I think there's going to be more of those, but I think it's going to be a very similar thing to Sam Darnold, unless they keep doing what they were doing in the draft. They had a good draft. If they keep doing that and keep supporting him, it will turn out better. But I, I still see Sam Darnold, a lot of Sam Darnold, in this in, in this whole situation. So we'll see how it goes, but I don't know. <laughs> do you want to do the Trey Lance one? Uh, sure. Um. Obviously, he's not going to start off the bat. I think he should get the whole year, especially behind someone as good as Jimmy G. But at the same time, 
Jimmy G has shown that it's not very likely that he'll stay healthy for a whole season, and Trey Lance will get rushed in. That being said, if Trey Lance was in almost any other situation or got drafted by any other team, I think this would be a very big negative and stunt his development. However, with the 49ers, I just have so much trust in that offense that he's going to get a very select package, and with his skill set, I think he's going to show out with a very small package. Because with Kyle, with the creativity of Kyle Shanahan, there's no telling how much this kid can do. That's why this pick was so good for them. And even with a smaller package, just run some RPOs, use his legs. Their run game is already really good, and they got a lot of good weapons. Even with a small package, he's going to do so good in this offense. So, yeah, he might even. I don't think he would take the job from Jimmy G because I think they have a clear cut, clear cut plan for the future. Mm-hmm. And even if he shows greatness. When Jimmy G comes back from injury, sit back down, learn from what you've done, and look it over. But I think he's going to look very good when he comes in. I think he's not going to play enough to really get a good opinion on him. Because I think, unless barring a season-ending injury, I think Jimmy G will be there for the majority of the season. Granted, he's shown he can't play a full 16 games. So I predict he misses like four to five games. And in those instances, Trey Lance will be there. Will he play perform good? Hopefully, it'll be a tough situation just to just get thrown into. Always is, but I think I don't think he'll struggle as much. I just don't think he'll get as much of an opportunity to flourish and show he's the the right pick for the Niners. Okay, that's fair. Why don't you Why don't you get us started on Justin Fields, who was the fourth taken? I think out of all, I think he's gonna have the best season out of all four, all five quarterbacks. Frankly, I think he's he's a great passer. He's he's proof. If you read if you reading into the articles that people are talking about him, he's a great leader. He he uh, prepares. He's always get. He's always in the film room. He's always he's the la- first one in, last one out. Um, he, everyone just talks about how much of a leader he is. He's he's uh, he can he's mobile. Um, yeah, and their offense isn't bad. They just needed a quarterback that wasn't terrible. They have Allen Robinson, Darnell Moody. Their entire offense outside of Allen Robinson, it's like a track team. It's yeah. so fast. And obviously, Alvin Robinson, the top 10 wide receiver, he is fantastic. They have David Montgomery, who's great. Terry Cohen, they have a decent enough to good O-line. And their defense is really good. So I think they have all the pieces around him to flourish, and he's going to be in the best situation to perform well this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you to an extent. Um, I think the plan will be for Andy Dalton to start. But I think, especially in a city like Chicago, who's been, like, who hasn't had a quarterback, really, in, like, ever there, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure, especially for a GM and coach that's on the hot seat, to put in Justin Fields. And I think with a below-average O-line, despite having really good weapons, Dave Montgomery's good. I wouldn't call him great. I think their running game is good. They're They're average at best. Um, I think he's going to struggle. I just think that's that. It's so hard to look good with a bad line. Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert's an exception. Um, Joe Burrow, you could see that he was getting hit way too much, and even though he was performing well, you were just like, yeah, but that old line. Um, I I see a very similar fate with with Justin Fields here. I I I think he struggles. I think I think he shows a lot of good. I think they're gonna win a lot of games if he starts. But that, it scares me. I think he'll struggle quite a bit, actually. And then we got our Mac Jones predictions. I frankly don't think he's going to play at all. 
I think Cam. We might play in games that like that might Cam might struggle a bit, but I think Bill is gonna have a good, a decent. He's gonna have a smaller leash than last year with Cam. I think Cam might have a fire lit under him after the picking of Matt Jones, and now that he's all the doubt and hate he got from last year, and the offense has surrounded him, so clearly Bill believes in him getting these weapons. So I think he's gonna have a fire under him. He's not gonna have the Aaron Rodgers MVP season because the they drafted Jordan Love, but. He's going to have a better season. It's going to keep Jones on the bench for at least a year. Um, uh, Cam's going to start, but it, if we had uh, a quarterback that was this coveted by Belichick last year, Cam would have been out in half the games he played because he just didn't, he, he wasn't making the right plays. And so I, that's bound to happen at some point. And I, Mac will be fine. He'll be good. He won't be great. He won't be bad. He'll be good. Mm. I think his ceiling, his floor is so high. Like, he can't be bad just based off his skill set and what they're going to do with him there. He's good at making reads and being accurate with his throws. Especially, and I think that's, like, the perfect for this offense. I think he's not going to be bad. His ceiling is capped, and I don't think he will... He's going to get better the more and more he plays, the more and more the offense he runs, the more control he has over the offense. I think eventually... He could be really good, but that's not going to be this year. He's going to he's gonna look fine this year. He's not going to look good. I mean, he's not going to look great. He's not going to look bad. He'll be fine. I think Cam Newton provides more upside for the offense this year, but instability. I think Mac would offer the stability, but without the super high ceiling, but also without the lower floor. So, you know, we'll see. It all depends really on how much he plays. If he starts, If he starts to play week three... I think by the end of the season, he could look really good because he picks up a lot of the offense and starts to gain the trust. But mm-hmm. if he starts in like week 11, week 12, there's just not enough time for the coaches to feel comfortable handing him over the offense in that time. Especially because I think they're going to be in the playoffs this year. Especially, yeah. are they going to feel confident of him starting a playoff game? I would over Cam. Well, if I know when he starts. Yeah. If he starts true. week 11, are you going to feel true. confident in him? Yeah, we'll see. And I have a bold prediction for the off rookies. Uh, some people might say Trevor Lawrence is the, one of the favorites to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be your NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Locking it in. He's a stud, and he's going to surpass all the quarterbacks. He's going to be the first non-quarterback in however however long it's been to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, and it's going to be amazing. It's gonna, it's hard for pass catchers, but in that offense, if Julio, especially if Julio Jones is gone and he gets all those targets, yes. He's a beast. I, I think the truth is... If it wasn't a quarterback-driven award, I I think an O-lineman should have gotten it basically like every year. Probably. I think because O-linemen have the best rookie seasons, technically. They they transition the best. So I think if we're going just off of like who will have the best season as a rookie, it's going to be like Penny Sewell. Probably. But they don't get the award. So I don't know. I'll have to think about that before I make my, make my predictions. All right. So now we got the who are our top five teams after the draft. You want us from going from five to one? How are you feeling? So okay, at five, honorable mention to the Los Angeles Rams. I got the Forty ers at five. What about you? I also have the Forty ers at five. Why? <laughs> Simply put, if they're healthy, they're a top tier team in the NFC, and they're going to be competing with the Bucks to win that conference. They have the outstanding defense still. I don't think they've really lost anybody other than an old Richard Sherman. And um, DeMarcus, not DeMarcus Lawrence, uh, 
the guy who went to the Colts. Oh, DeForest Buckner. DeForest Buckner. Yeah, that was a big loss. But that defense is still insane without those guys. Yeah. Especially without Sherman. DeForest Buckner is a big loss. But yeah. But their offense, their O-line's good. Their running game is awesome. They have athletic, awesome, like, just fun receivers in the form of Ayuk and Steve Samuel. They have the second-best tight end in the NFL, George Kittle. And they have a young, up-and-rising quarterback who they can rely on, or they can go back to the veteran who got them to the Super Bowl, Jimmy G. So I think there's a lot of uh, excitement around that team. Yeah. And number four, I got the Bills. You know, that might be a hot take, not having him at three, but I got him at four. What about you? I have the Browns. Why do you have the Bills? Because I got the Browns at three. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I take it we have them flip-flopped. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll make make my case for the Browns above the Bills. Um, the Browns have the best roster probably in the league. Um, just if you take offense, defensive weapons, they have, I think they have the most. And I think, um, Rob, uh, Kevin Stefanski has shown that he can hide Baker Mayfield's weaknesses and turn them kind of into a strength. Now, I think they should be first on the phone with Green Bay trying to get Aaron Rodgers because they, uh, they'd they be immediate favorites in my eyes. Oh, um, But I think even without him, even with just an average quarterback in Baker Mayfield, I think they're still, as a team, they're better than the Bills, who showed some surprising defensive... Um, they're surprisingly a defensive liability last year. Yeah, but they got better. I think they got deep... Like, I think they got uh, did good in the draft, got good pass rushers. They got rushers. pass rushers, but there's no guarantee they start off. They they make an immediate impact. I think their defense will be fine. I put I put the Browns at four, just because I think they I have they have the talent and they did well last year without Odell. He'll be back, but it's that was also because Baker played really well. Is Baker gonna do that again? Do we know that? Can we guarantee he's gonna be as good as he was last year, if not better? Which is what they're gonna need to take that step. It's at the end of the day, this is a prove it league, and. They made all these another off season of big additions to the team, but they have to prove it. Show me you're good. Bills have done that. That's why they're sitting at three. I think they showed a lot in the last like quarter of the season last year that they're for real. Now that now they just got to really do it for a whole season. Exactly. I it's think they will. That's why I have them. small glimpses are nothing. They mean nothing. Yeah. Now one and two, the one and two are obvious, but it's just a matter of I guess where you put them. Yeah. Who do you have one and who do you have two? Uh, one or two is I have the Chiefs. Just because the Bucks ran it back, they got every single starter back. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs did fantastic in the fact that their one weakness was their O line. So they decided just to get every elite O line out there. <laughs> they just after watching <laughs> Mah- after watching Mahomes this runner for his life the entire Super Bowl. I think they just went back into their offense and decided we're just never let him get sacked again. But the guys they got, it's so. They had such a good old one, and obviously their defense is solid enough. Could be better, but it's good enough. And obviously, we all know about the offense. So, yeah, like I, I, part of me thinks the Chiefs are just going to be the best team in the league. But at the same time, Bucks just won the Super Bowl and brought everyone back. So you can't really put anyone ahead of them until you see them in the season and see how they play in the season. And it's just going to be another year of gelling, getting to know each other. Yeah. But also, who knows? Tom Brady could regress. You know, you don't know. You just got to go based on what you saw last. And last, we saw this team was the best team in the league and did not lose a single player. So that'll, that'll be fun to see. Yeah. All right. I, will that wrap us up? It will. Thank yeah. you for watching. Yep. 
we're, we're experimenting this week. We're going to try to get this one up on Spotify. So if you can, if you enjoy this, please look it up on Spotify. We're going to try to get it up there as soon as possible. Also check out our Instagram. This will be on YouTube, so hopefully you'll watch it there. And we'll be watching this there. And uh, Clips on TikTok. Yes. No. Yeah. And we were a day late, so this might come up. This will be up on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, that'll do it. Thank you. Peace. Later.